listen, my Lord, I've got seven women on my mind. All right, we're back. We had a quick technical difficulty there, but we're back. Let's go to the phone. <clears throat> and joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Kim Rogers. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Terry. Happy to be here. Well, thanks for coming. Even though it's, I don't know, is it raining? It's kind of a dreary day today where I live. It's definitely sweater weather here in yeah. Farvada. So I started... I started the show up by saying this will be the last day of rain because we average three <laughs> days of rain a month in Colorado. So this yeah. is our three days. But then I looked at the forecast. and You know, it's hard to <clears throat> complain about uh, too much water in Colorado. We have too much when we don't get it. But sometimes I get a little where I want the sun to shine. But anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about. You know, Parks and Wildlife gets involved in a lot of things, and a lot of people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes a lot. I mean, I think the biggest thing, they run the parks, they set the fishing and hunting seasons and bag limits, and you and you uh, have game wardens out there watching to make sure people follow. But, gosh, what you guys do is so much more. There's so many programs and things going on behind the scenes. We're going to talk about one of those today. And, you know, the two reasons people don't spend more time in the outdoors, one is knowledge, and this show we try to help them with that, but the other is access, having places to go. And you're going to tell us about a program that really works to try to acquire both lands for conservation and access. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I am the real estate section manager for Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and a lot of people don't know that Colorado Parks and Wildlife needs a real estate section. And one of the things that we do is administer the Colorado Wildlife Habitat Program request for proposals. And your listeners are, I'm sure, very familiar with the habitat stamp. They have to pay for purchase a habitat stamp, hunters and anglers between the ages of 18 and 64, with some exceptions, in order to get a hunting and fishing license. And that program funds the acquisition of land for protecting wildlife habitat and providing wildlife-related recreational access to the public. And how long has this program been in effect? I think like 14 years or something? Well, the the uh, Habitat Stamp Statute, it's a statute that was passed actually on January 1st of 2006 when it became effective. And so um, as part of that, the passage of that, the statute also creates a program for giving landowners an opportunity to um, work with Colorado Parks and Wildlife to protect property and provide access. And so it's an annual program that that my section administers. And I wanted to let folks know that on Tuesday, June the 10th, the the website will open for applications and we'll be giving folks um, until Tuesday, October the 10th to submit applications and there's almost $11 million in funding available this year. That's awesome. Let's go over a couple uh, aspects of the program. Now, when you sure. say people can submit applications, 
you know, these are landowners or people that have control of land or maybe even groups that want to go try to get control of land or help you get control of land. Um, now, you and I talked earlier, and you do both. You get, you, get, you get conservation easements, and sometimes you actually buy the land. Explain the difference to folks. Well, a conservation easement is, a, is an agreement that a landowner has with a conservation easement holder. You have to be certified. CPW is a land trust are certified, the ones we work with, maybe Cattlemen's, maybe Colorado Open Lands, the Nature Conservancy, they're all um, certified to hold a CE. And the landowner keeps their land. They don't sell it to us. They just agree not to develop it in order to preserve what we call conservation values on the property. And... um, because they don't develop, agree not to develop the property, it reduces the value of their land if they were to sell it. And so we pay the difference between what it's worth if it could be developed and then what it's worth after a conservation easement goes on it. And these now, cons- are perpetual. And a conservation easement, do they just protect the land for conservation purposes, or do they allow hunting and fishing access, or does it vary? You know, it varies. When uh, conservation easements first started um, happening, maybe in in the 60s, moving into the 80s, oftentimes public access was mentioned as an aside in the conservation easement, that it was you know, permissible fishing or hunting. However, the best practice this this time during these days is to have an access easement. So it's a separate document and they work together, but it's, uh, so we separate it. And we can also, um, a landowner can also be compensated for the value of an act granting an access easement to CPW. Right, and then you also actually go out and buy property. Is that right? We do. In some cases, you know, the habitat stamp statute says that that should be the last option if other options aren't available, like a conservation easement or a lease. And, um, but when, you know, if we buy something public access, as long as it doesn't disturb sensitive areas on the property is almost guaranteed. And so we do buy property. Now, and some landowners want to sell us and don't want a, a conservation easement. Now, do you have a maybe a good example of one of these uh, properties that's maybe on the front range? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a very exciting project just closed in April of this year in the um, what's often referred to as the Mount Tom Conservation Corridor. Um, it is in, uh, we acquired fee title to a little over a thousand acres of land, which is located seven miles northwest of Golden in Jefferson County. And it's going to become part of uh, what some of your listeners may utilize, the Ralston Creek State Wildlife Area. So it's in area one of the Northeast region and the GMU Game Management Unit 38. Um, and that the project, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, the project 
is going to provide eventually public access for hunting, fishing, wildlife viewing, and it does uh, conserve habitat as well. And it's part of a, a three-phase huge project. With We're working with um, the Conservation Fund is leading this, and this is the first phase to try to um, happen, and it was a, a really great collaboration between uh, GOCO, uh, Jefferson County, and the Conservation Fund. Now, we're almost out of time, but <clears throat> who can apply and quickly tell us who can apply and what the process is? If you want to apply, um, the website is going to be up. You can see what we did for last year if you want to check it out. Google Colorado Wildlife Habitat Program, and you'll find the application there on our website with instructions and information of who to call. So any landowner who owns land in Colorado and is interested in protecting it for habitat purposes, providing access to the public or selling it to CPW can apply. All right, and can affinity groups like uh, the Elk Foundation or Turkey Federation, can they get involved in any way? Absolutely. Um, in fact, most of our applications come from landowners who are represented by a third party like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or uh, Colorado Open Land. So absolutely. All right. We are out of time. It's a fantastic program, Protecting Access. So we have hunting and fishing and wildlife conservation in Colorado and per perpetuity. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Terry. I loved it. It's my pleasure. All right. Thank you. Kim Rogers, uh, Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to talk fishing updates. Things are changing, but a lot of them for the better. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan.